Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. I love your name, self-competent rocketeer. This is the first time I've actually pointed it out because I notice it in every recording that I do and it always gives people a name and I just assumed that's what you'd called yourself, but apparently that's what you're called. You're a self-confident rocketeer. No, I would never come up with the word rocketeer. I mean, I mean I'm definitely going to call myself self-confident either. So yeah. Oh, no, you're self-confident. You should be self-confident. <laughs> <laughs> so I will say that I'm talking to the fabulous Jennifer K. Yeah. <laughs> and we are just, you know, having a lovely reminiscent time of a week mm-hmm. in the life of creative people working in the community. <laughs> yeah. But it was like... <laughs> Two years ago, and I mean, so many positives and lovely things. And actually, I feel like a bit of a kind of part-timer because I was that guy who did a week of the project and then went, right, see you later, guys. Have a good time. I'm away in, I'm away in holiday. I was going to Malaga. I know. You weren't going to Malaga. I was so jealous of you. But it was just on that, that last day when I was like, you know, like the total realisation of like, so at the beginning of the week, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to holiday. So like, I'm doing this for a week. It'll be lovely, smashing. But obviously having done the week, Mm-hmm. Then I was like, on the Friday, I felt actually really bad <laughs> for going on holiday. I was like, so sorry. So sorry, I'm abandoning you. <laughs> no, and I think critical time. <laughs> I think I was saying, that's all right, Lisa, go and have a great holiday. You deserve it, you know. But internally, I think my eyes may have been glazed over just like, I mean, just such a professional project manager who was just like, yes, Lisa, on you go. No problem at all. This was planned. We always do this, but really, you were like, sick. <laughs> no, no, I was just like, please swap. I want to go to Malaga and you can stay. <laughs> but I, what I think is lovely about the fact that I can do this podcast is that because it was such an insane week of loveliness, lots of lovely things happened. Lots of lovely things, so positive. Oh my God, I. But I, I didn't get much time to like chat about like, so Jane, what are you all about? Yeah. What have you done? We've never worked together. Like I just got the vibe like you're a lovely person. I really work well with you. Mm-hmm. I just love being in your company. Sometimes we just look at each other and, and Caitlin and we all we're thinking the same thing. And I'm like, I've literally just met you and we're all singing for the same hymn sheet here. <laughs> totally. Just that was, total bonding. It was such a beautiful experience that actually. Like I love that when you just meet people and then you just go, right, what everyone just sort of instinctively knows what it needs. And everyone just kind of steps into the role that they are needed to be in, sort of subconsciously. It's so beautiful. I love that when you don't ever have to delegate or like really like, well, what is your role and responsibility and all that kind of stuff. Like actually, those young people in that project just really needed us to like step into it. But yeah, just that week, because we're so immersed in it and it was full on and it was all sorts of mentalness and loveliness at the same time, I didn't really get to ask questions that I would maybe just naturally want to ask in the moment because we just literally never had a minute to think. Mm-hmm. So then you go on the old internet and then you're like, oh my God. I mean, not that I didn't think you were <laughs> a wonderful theatre maker and director and producer, but just then I was like, I don't know anything about Jen. <laughs> so I have to get on my podcast to ask her all the questions. So what do you think attracted you to theatre? in general 
Oh gosh, that's such a good question. And I think about it all the time, I think, because I go, why am I doing this job? <laughs> but then I just love it. And I think we all do that we, that have stuck at it for this long. It's the stories, right? Like I, I, I remember you talking about doing this podcast and why you wanted to do this podcast. And you're just like, I'm just nosy. I just like to know about people and I like to know about people's lives and, and what is it that inspires them and, and makes them do things? What is it that drives them to, to, to live their lives? And and I think that's what theatre is about, right? Like Totally. So I think that I think that's it. It's just this like mad exploration of, of the world that we live in, you know? And uh, yeah, that's why I love it. I just um I love the real people that I work with. Um I love these imagined people that come that we invent um and uh you know like we've worked with young people together but then also work with professionals within the theater company and then you work with wee 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 kids as well like we three-year-olds and just you know beautiful imaginations beautiful storytelling Mm. and just constantly asking questions and I think that's the thing that you know it's not like I've not considered stepping out of the game but then I always get kind of sucked back in (laughs) somebody dangles a lovely carrot of do you want this project where you get to work with lovely people and you're like oh man okay I know because it does like every time just that wee phone call goes or the email email pops through and it's like oh we thought about you for this and it'll be working with these people and you'll be exploring this and you'll get to do it here there and everywhere and then you're like oh I can't say no to that that's brilliant and I think it's really nice that you touched on like the fact that you do get to work with all sorts of people from all walks of life Mm -hmm. and that's the thing the idea that theatre is for everybody and even the word theatre you know can can have certain connotations for for certain people Um, and some people might very much think like well that's not for me you know I don't go to the theatre and I certainly wouldn't take part in any you know theatre or acting or drama Mm -hmm. but then when they do and they just get that wee nugget, that wee glimpse of what it is and what it can be. It's it's pure magic. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You'll you'll be doing a game or something like you know something that doesn't feel like drama, doesn't feel like you're doing theatre, you know. And um, you're just watching the interactions and the connection and the communication and the empathy, and then you'll get to play a bit. And that that's totally what it is, right? It's about playing in that room in that space with that story you know and I think you know the magic and I'll probably I'll probably repeat myself over and over and over again Lisa but like I think it does change people I honestly think theatre and the work that we're doing you know whether it's theatre or a drama game or stories I keep going back to this being just about stories as well because so many you know parents say say parents that'll send their kids to like a drama class or something and they'll be like you know what did you do and they'll expect some kind of West End performance but actually like you know we we told stories and then we and we asked questions about these people and these characters and we 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 discovered why they did certain things and and what they wanted and you know their actions had consequences and then do you think about your actions having consequences in the real world and 
you know, maybe, you know, and hopefully not everybody will be professional actors because we need folk to be doctors and lawyers and all of that as well. But see those doctors and lawyers and all that that do the theatre work or the playing within the space with these people, like the empathy that is learned through that experience or, yeah, just discovering more about who they are as a person. All right, so you you do that, but I do this. And both is okay, you know, and I think particularly in the world at the moment, the less we can think about us and them and the less we can think about you are different, the less we can put um, people in a in a box and dehumanise them, you know, the less you can do that, the, the, the more, the better a society will be. And I, so I think, you know, every time I step into a rehearsal room or a, a a drama workshop room or any of that kind of thing I always really feel a I do feel a big weight of responsibility and I do think there's a huge duty of care in that moment because you, you you're responsible for that exploration and you have to kind of hold that safe space for people to allow themselves to be vulnerable as well and and, so and vulnerable to discover who they are and who they want to be in the world and and you never know like maybe that class is the class that that will change their life. I mean, that's like mind blowing that you have access to that world and, you know, that you get to help people explore and discover who they are and what they might want to be or even that you when you see people change the way that they think as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like you were saying, being introduced to people that don't sound and look and live like them. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden you're being asked to play a game or be a wee bit vulnerable with somebody mm-hmm. who you've never met before and yeah it does open your mind it does challenge people as well to to think differently which is always a good thing can never be a bad thing absolutely I mean think back to our project um that we did together the people in that room could not have been more different right Mm. and you know at the day one it was like a group in that corner and a group in that corner and there was like this invisible line that divided the two of them and they couldn't cross that line right and then I think about the last day when we did a kind of valuation session with everybody and they were all getting to kind of act out their favorite moments of the time so they got to like become each other like doing the funny things that we all had a joke about you know and there was no divide there was no barrier it was just this beautiful group of people coming together and uh, yeah gorgeous it felt you know walking into that um, youth center the last day it felt like I was in like a cheers bar you know, when everyone <gasps> knows your name, <laughs> they like step in, they're like, Jen, and I'm like, hi guys, I love it. Yeah, it went you know, from being really cold, you know, working out are they, what is their intention here, to just like the polar opposite really, like proper yeah. warmth and and friendship and love, did I say it? Love? Yes. Yeah, it was a, it was a beautiful thing and, and I think, you know, if music and dance and storytelling and theatre um, has the power to do that then that's a pretty amazing thing. So did you discover that as a wee person were you introduced to the world of the arts and you were like this is for me? Oh I was always a bit of a eye performer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was proper ballet shoes, tap shoes at two years old. But yeah, I was introduced to it in a very quite like I don't know, obviously, but it was obvious to me, you know, like um, that was what you did, ballet and tap. And I'm aware how privileged that is. Um, but I didn't know really 
like about all the kind of community theatre work or or any like kind of contemporary or experimental or fringy or any of that like that was all brand new like for me it was kind of you know musicals and panto and you know jazz hands yeah so totally it was always in my radar to kind of work in in uh, theatre but I didn't think of it as the theatre that I work in now like it's it's taken a very different route along the way because yeah I guess I I wanted to be a performer you know I very much wanted mm-hmm. to be an actor I wanted to you know maybe get a job on Coronation Street so my family could know I was you know really good <laughs> <laughs> because everyone watched Coronation Street so if I got I a job on Coronation Street then I've made it that's so funny that and it though there's probably still a section of people who still go. Is she on the telly? Have I seen her in it? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> You're like, no, but you list off all these amazing other things that I've done. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So you were totally going to pursue being an actor and that's what you were studying to be? Yeah, I trained. I went and did my three years um, as an actor and then came out as an actor. I like, did the, the big showcase and tried to get the agent and did all of that. Had my headshots, had my CV, you know spotlight and all of that yeah 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 did and and worked for a bit as an actor but then you know slowly kind of through those years sort of realized how difficult it was then realized that actually I kind of wanted to have more say in the overall of it all you know I I really wanted to talk more about design I really wanted to talk more about the the soundscape and the audience experience and the script and all of that kind of stuff so then that moved me into into directing but actually that's not even true what I've just said because it was the sign language that moved me into directing so this is where I go did not know anything about this side of you until I this is the joy of Instagram (laughs) and I was just like what I mean so sign language is something that I've always wanted to learn Mm -hmm. just never ever pursued it and then looking at your page and stuff and I was like oh and then I'm like what hey Jen like signs b she runs a blooming theatre company how did I not know any of this mental (laughs) you wear so many hats I I, yes I think I might wear too many hats but So I, so why did you learn sign language? Yeah, well, the exact same reason as you just said. I've always wanted to learn that. And yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like creative people like yourself, particularly dancers, particularly people that are really comfortable in their bodies and using their bodies are really great at visual language because that's what dance is. But that was totally my, uh, my thought. I'd always been interested in it. And my sister is learning disabled, so we've always, and she doesn't speak, so we've always kind of had a bit of better sign language, but not like British sign language, because British sign language is a beautiful official language that has its own linguistics and um, structure and, and grammatical structure and all of the gorgeous things that languages have. Yes, yeah, so this is part of my my studies just now in British sign language is learning all of that. So yeah, it was about gosh 12 years ago and I was an unemployed actress and I was working as a receptionist in like a recruitment agency or something like properly random and this deaf person came in and this deaf person like changed my life in that moment right there and then because she was talk trying to communicate with me and I was trying to communicate with her and I was like as a 
performer, as an actor, my job is to communicate, right? I tell stories. I communicate with an audience. Live theatre is all about the giving and the, you know, the toing and froing of that conversation, right? And here I was, just like this communication breakdown. You know, we ended up doing bits of gesture and writing things down and, and actually we got there and it was a really beautiful moment. But I wonder, I always wonder if that woman realises what an impact she had on my life because literally, cheerio, bye-bye now, she left and I went online because I hardly had anything to do in that job either. So I went, I went online and just looked at, you know, British Sign Language courses, Glasgow. And I, next thing I knew, I was signed up to a level one course at Annie's Line College, one even in a week. And, and I went. And That's amazing. And that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I got addicted. I just properly got addicted. And then, yeah, I was doing uh, Tron, uh, the Tron Panto that Christmas time. And there was uh, interpreters, Catherine King and Natalie McDonald at the side of the stage. And I remember just being, and so I'm midway through my level one. So, you know, very simple signing, like properly the basics on all basics, but totally captivated by what they were doing and just being like, I'm more interested in what they're doing than what I'm doing right now. So <laughs> it was, again, one of those moments of me just being like, wow, I need to talk to these women. I need to talk to them. I need to ask them things. I need to question them. Always asking questions, always asking questions. And uh, and I'd said, you know, I work in theatre and I love that, but I've started learning sign language. And how how can I work in a theatre that uses sign language? Like, where is that? What is that? And I had done some Google searching and things like that. And there was a couple down in London, but, you know, nothing that, nothing massive and, and and certainly not a lot of opportunities and they had said to me to check out solar beer theater company in glasgow and that was it basically sent the email next thing i know my foot was in the door my leg was in the door my arm was in the door <laughs> i was like i am I'm in, yeah totally i'm in this door and it was just at that beautiful um, moment where they had just launched their deaf youth theater so it was a youth theater aimed at 12 to 18 year olds and it was the first of its kind in the whole of the UK and I managed to get myself a little job <laughs> in it yes. as a youth yeah. leader in Scotland and learning a bit of sign language but you know I had interpreters with me all the time and that's the joy of being able to marry two worlds together yeah and that is so important that collaboration and I actually saw that on your website like theatre director producer and, and collaborator and I'm like yes because <laughs> that is it you can't do that this can't all exist on its own exactly. collaboration is where the magic is yeah exactly and I think like you've you've totally nailed yeah that's it that's completely it for me like I mm. get most excited when it's like these two opposing forces where's the intersection of that so my solar bear world there was this huge conversation about process like because we hadn't really worked with sign language in a kind of mainstream way before like this you know there's a huge history about deaf theater you know deaf people have also always told stories and always made theater for deaf audiences and not necessarily for hearing audiences and certainly not within the mainstream theater circuit um so we felt like we were kind of playing with all of that like how to make theatre for deaf and hearing audiences Mm. you know with these young people who came from you know loads of massively varied backgrounds and some of them were 
very fluent, strong BSL users. Some of them didn't sign at all either. Um, and they were oralists. So they, you know, again, it was very familiar to our experience. A group at one end of the room, another group at the other end of the room. And then through theatre, we have this beautiful fusion, this beautiful like coming together and merging of all these languages, all these people telling one story. Yes. yes. And that's where you're like, those drama games and they just game. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like when my husband says, are you away to play with your pals? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when I'm going to work, obviously he says it to totally wind me yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Works every time. Yeah. But I, that play mm-hmm. is not something to be taken lightly. Mm-hmm. That's when barriers are totally broken down and things are able to be communicated in whatever way, shape or form works for you. Yeah, absolutely. And see when you find those moments, like when there's kind of no friction either, it's just completely magical and it's it's you know so often just a wee moment of eye contact and you're like you know you're deaf and you're hearing and you can understand each other in a any in an everyday conversation but here you are and you've got this moment and there's just it's it just it's I have no words it's so exciting you know just yeah, like yeah. feel the vibrations of it all it's of course and then you, you would have just been learning all the time and that's exciting too you know that your studies continue as you go into the working world and you're navigating like you know I'm doing a bit of acting I'm doing a bit of producing I'm doing a bit of directing mm-hmm. you, you know I'm learning sign language now I'm just doing it all I'm spinning all the plates but you're constantly learning and just putting all that stuff in your toolkit yeah exactly and that was totally it that was what Solar Bear really gave me was just a massive toolkit and, and out of that, I've gone, right, okay, I'm not an actor anymore. I'm stepping away from acting. That's just a, a mm-hmm. stage fright. I mean, that's a whole other thing. I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, this this beautiful toolkit of, like, how to work mm-hmm. with these languages and deaf culture and hearing culture and, and bringing it all together and then making work for deaf and hearing audiences. And then, yeah, I mean, putting, putting work out there for deaf and hearing audiences is it's nerve-wracking no there's an element of responsibility in anything that you put out in the world for other Mm -hmm. people to experience but yeah that's quite a responsibility I would imagine like you know expectations and what you know just what you're putting on yourself what you think people are going to say or how people are going to take it I I imagine that was quite frightening initially yeah yeah and I think it's um it's kind of extra because I am hearing and I'm working with BSL and I need to be so I am so aware um, of the the repression, you know, towards deaf people and deaf culture and deaf communities within our current everyday society. You know, like there's so many barriers, there's so many limitations, and who, you know, who who am I to direct your language? You know, so so I'm always aware that I need deaf um, BSL consultants with me. I need um, deaf dramaturgs with me. I need co-directors who are deaf. And only now, you know, in 2020, um, are there finally kind of more deaf directors, more deaf people confident enough to say that they are BSL consultants and they are able to step into that role and totally take take the ownership of that space because for so long it's been kind of held by hearing people and actually it's such such again this duty of care that I talk about a lot and I really really feel it like okay how can I make space for you to do this because actually when I set up the DH Ensemble 
the idea was that it was very much an ensemble. I didn't want to direct all the shows. I was like, it can be this really great umbrella and everyone can make all these projects underneath this umbrella and you can work on as many or as few projects that the ensemble make, you know. And actually, I didn't realise, probably naively at the time, that there weren't that many deaf directors. There's no deaf producers really working in the UK. There was in, in a couple of shows... Um, that I've heard of recently but it was just you know a freelancey thing and then they've gone back to kind of their full-time job because there's not there's not the opportunities for for deaf people out there but then you are then creating an opportunity yes yeah I mean you're going right well I maybe don't have all the answers and maybe I'm not the guy yeah you know but I need to be in in the mix yeah to be doing something uh, you know and kickstarting something and like obviously you're saying that wasn't initially your plan to direct everything mm-hmm. but p- then people need a captain of a ship sometimes just to be like right, <laughs> I'll take charge and then this means you just can all do your jobs wonderfully yes totally okay <laughs> I'll hold this space I'll set up the tasks and then you guys make the thing okay and then they would make the thing and then they go okay how does that look Jen and I'll go okay that and that and that but yeah so so much of the time so much of the time my job feels like just holding the room like you know in in the working with young people or 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 all that you just kind of facilitating it so I, I suppose the work that we make within DH Ensemble is not so much about my vision as the director Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not like putting that on and getting actors to make that happen for me it's very much kind of collaboration and I think that's just kind of heightened because um, we're working in two languages and one of them is not my uh, native language at all Mm. so I absolutely need the team beside me (laughs) you know to, to make sure it's it's at the same standard as well, actually. Like, because um, so much of the time, oh my gosh, Lisa, I could talk about this forever. Hearing directors that kind of go, "Ooh, British Sign Language, that's sexy," and they'll get like one deaf actor in, and then they'll hand them the script and they say, "Okay, you do that," and then we'll get on with the rehearsals and yeah, we'll slot you in. Yeah. yeah, and and yeah. you know, this is a conversation that I've been having loads of at the moment and we've within the DH Ensemble we're doing loads of research and exploration around this and kind of creating big documents to hand to like ITC and Equity and Royal Shakespeare Company and the National Theatre and NTS and all that like properly okay so if you're going to work with deaf people you need to support them you need to be able to do x y and z because if you don't do that they'll just burn out they'll feel disempowered and and just used, just about used and abused, and nobody wants that. I mean, you don't want that for anybody. And this is the thing, like, I mean, ignorance is bliss sometimes. Like, if you don't know anybody who's deaf, cue a conversation I had yesterday with a friend who's working in a school now that has, like, a unit in the school for, mm-hmm. I think there's, like, 12 kids in the school that are, they all have cochlear implants, none of them sign. Mm-hmm. And then she was saying about, wearing masks for covid right and she was like so we've spoke about like will they need to wear will people need to wear see-through masks so that people can lip read and i was like i obviously but you know that's not being a thing that i need to think about that doesn't necessarily come out my head and these are all the things that so then you take it you know into the world of theater where companies really obviously need people like you to be like this is exactly Mm -hmm. what you need to do to support 
deaf actors. Yeah, and I really think and audiences. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and I think, mm. and, and so, but so much of my job is to go. Okay, so I'm aware that you're doing it this way, but meet my deaf friend. And they're going to tell you how to do it correctly because I'm, um, I'm, you know, just always very aware of my hearing, and um, I, I really ever, never, ever want to be that person, you know, that talks for other people. Of course not. Yeah, but that's just not even your style of making theatre. Mm. The whole time you've just been very much like it's, you know, the, the responsibility and the the gratitude that you have for holding space for other people to do their thing, to explore their ideas. You know, you're not going in there going, right, we're doing exactly what's written in the page and you're going to say it like this and then you're going to take five steps over there mm. and you'll stop and then you'll look to the right. That is not the kind of the <laughs> director that you are. Yes. It doesn't matter who you're working with. Yeah, that kind of stuff just never really excited me and I think as an actor that stuff always really bored me as well. So I just never ever wanted to be in that kind of space as an actor so I definitely Definitely don't want to create that kind of space as a director. Um, You're going to draw the best out of people if you just let them to have the space to to experiment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and feel like something's good. And mm-hmm. first, let, let, let you try stuff on yeah. before you decide on what you, what it's going to be. Yeah. But so was that just the impetus to start DH Ensemble? Just like you know, you'd had obviously that experience with Solar Bear, and you were like, I see a not a gap in the market. But mm. essentially, there obviously was a space for it yeah. and for the, the people that should be working in theatre, should be performing, should be making yeah. things and, and have, have a, a voice, you know, yeah. able to communicate their message. Completely, completely. So um, I, uh, I did DYT for four years. And I will forever be grateful to Solar Bear for that opportunity. Like, absolutely. The what, yeah, as I said, left there with my big bag of tools. Thank you very much. Um, and then uh, went down to London, but went down to London kind of kicking and screaming. But I was going down because my other half was getting loads and loads of work down there. So we were just <laughs> constantly living apart. And uh, it was like, okay, right, we're going to do this, going to move to London, give it a shot for a wee bit. But I just kind of went, right, well, while I'm here, uh, what am I doing? And uh, like, this is, this is, it sounds so funny. It sounds completely made up. But I managed to get myself a week at the RSC because I told, I spoke to somebody in a bar because um, I said, <laughs> I just seen I've just seen whatever play I don't even know what play it was but it's a Shakespeare play and I had said um, Shakespeare's text is so rich and so full of imagery it would work incredibly well with deaf performers and BSL and visual vernacular and all of the visual storytelling and I think in a way that would make Shakespeare more accessible to to everyone you know lots of people have a real kind of block when it comes to Shakespeare's text so actually if we're to see it, if we're to see it as a visual storytelling, uh, I think that, you know, only to deaf people, but also yeah. to hearing people who, yeah, you of know. Course. So managed to get myself a little week at the RSC studio as like a little research and development thing. And um, it was like two deaf actors and two hearing actors. And we worked on three different plays, like a, a day each. And then on the Thursday kind of, put something together on the Friday we showed it off and kind of talked about it and um, at the end of that week I was like oh this is this is exciting I quite like quite like working with professionals using all those tools that I had gained from my time at DYT mm-hmm. but like now with professionals who actually kind of know what they're doing and I'm not having to teach that as well 
And because, oh gosh, what happened? Um, I was I was struggling to find a deaf actor because definitely theatre, who's the other kind of big theatre down there, um, they had a big show on. So those deaf actors that were well-known were in that show. And uh, I really needed a male deaf actor. Um, mm-hmm. And I had brought a female deaf actor from Scotland, like somebody I'd worked with in Scotland because I didn't, I didn't know anybody down there. And then I, I kind of put out this like call uh, anyone know a male deaf actor that wants to come and play at the RSC for a week? And oh my goodness, the responses from like all the deaf actors in London, just like, I I could act, you know. But um, there was a bunch of folk that um, were, were, they weren't even male. They were very much identified as female, but they contacted and said, you know, I'm, I'm not male, but I could I could play my best. And I was kind of like, yeah, you, you yeah, bring it on. Like, that's the kind of yeah. attitude I want. So I've like, I, can't, I see when I think about it I can't believe I did it it was very ballsy and I messaged these people back like saying you know I've fulfilled the role for that week but I'd really love for us to meet up I've got no money I've managed to get a bit of space at the Unicorn Theatre for free for two days managed to get an interpreter for free for two days yeah. do you want to come and play and uh, and folk did <laughs> Like they properly did, they just yes, you were up. just again creating that opportunity, yeah, for things to happen. And you know, you're saying, I can't believe I did that. The level of confidence that that obviously took is that something that you find yourself just tapping into all the time, or is that something that you grapple with all the time? <laughs> grapple with <laughs> definitely that one, but it's always in like kind of hindsight. I go, Oh, I can't believe yes. I did that. I, me too, yeah, I do things and then go, I would never do that now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, just set up a podcast, talk to loads of people, uh, ask folk to be on my podcast. That is such a skill. Knowing people and being able to to bring people together, like that, that... That is a skill. To be fair, that is the gift of working in the arts, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Just being exposed to all these wonderful characters, Mm -hmm. that is the total joy of it. But yeah, like that, having that, just that we thought in a bar talking to somebody and just saying something out loud and then just to then what it could end up you know producing yeah it was so good and then there was like two days in this room and folk were just magical I mean oh my goodness it was like oh where have you been all my life like proper just glorious like I would set up tasks I love that right love that when you set up a task and you kind of half imagine where it could go but then the performers just they just take it and they roll with it and then it just turns into something incredible and that I mean that's kind of what happened actually like we were in the bar you know that Sunday night I was like well that was fun guys thanks for showing up thanks for being awesome I'm 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 now in London yeah so I mean you know that was maybe catch up with you another time kind of thing and and it was it was from the group it was like but what are we doing about this though like this is a thing now like this is a company and I'm like oh right better learn how to run a company then (laughs) yeah (laughs) like I put that hat on now everybody can see the hat (laughs) totally can does anyone else want it no this is the thing this is the thing but sometimes people just need one person to step up Mm -hmm. you do something and then you inspire them to step out their comfort zone or do something that's a wee bit scary or whatever and that's a nice feeling when you go right cool I'll be brave this time yeah (laughs) 
All right, folks, I'll do that. But you need to do your thing. Okay, brilliant. Deal. <laughs> I'm to- I mean, I'm totally Jason, but like, it's a massive deal to start a, a theatre company. Yeah. And then run it. Yeah. And then like produce work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Ah, yeah, and not without its challenges, I'm sure, like on all sorts of levels. Um, and I'm sure all the positives outweigh a lot of the negatives that you need to deal with. But um, have there been particular moments in running the company where you're like, this is the best idea I've ever had in my entire life? Uh, yeah. Oh my goodness, that's such a good question, Lisa. You're making me think. Um, Sorry. I think, no, it's good, it's good, it's good. I think my moments happen when um you know that thing I talked about earlier when the two totally opposites like come together and they make something new and it's really exciting and if either thing hadn't been there in the first place it wouldn't it wouldn't have been what it became it's about the time and the conversation we'd had and the research that we'd done and these people in that moment like stepping up and you know it's very rarely my direction (laughs) (laughs) it's always like those happy accidents I mean uh, just off the top of my head I can think I was just thinking there of a moment where we were working in uh, on our version of Macbeth which we're calling fair as foul and there's this beautiful so I've got a deaf Macbeth and a hearing Macbeth and they have to kind of work together in this monologue and it's that monologue where they're going should I kill the king should I not kill the king should I kill the king should I not kill the king should I kill the king should I not kill the king and they go back and forth back and forth and basically he says you know if I do this um is it is it suicide right and the beauty of having two people in that space when you're literally having to sign like stabbing somebody then there's literally somebody in front of you that you can stab and that person is you the beauty in that is just like Oh my gosh, he's talking about doing this this terrible like self sabotage thing, and then you've just seen him like stab himself or his mirror of himself. Yeah, all of that. Like it was just kind of um, it's all the ideas about the show in like one move. It's that that gets me excited. Um, so do you like work on like devising new pieces of work as well as taking texts that are familiar or you know and and then exploring them? Yeah, I mean a lot of the stuff at the start was like really devised and really like we've got an idea or a theme that we want to explore and then we would create characters, we create story and we put on that kind of show. And then Erin Hutching, I met her randomly. It's another one of those like brilliant moments when you meet these people and you're like, Oh, our lives are now forever entwined and I will never leave you um, because she she basically became our like creative producer but was also a performer who could sign because her sister was deaf and she you know casually mentioned that she had uh beginnings of a script that she wanted to make about her life so very autobiographical but very much about her relationship with her sister so again it just felt like really connected to everything that DH Ensemble stood for it was like deaf hearing two worlds coming together and putting that on stage in a story it was gorgeous so so it started off as a bit of a script but largely it was devised Mm. And then our like kids piece that we made had been written, ad- adapted from the book. And then we kind of, again, a lot of devising and a lot of creating happens in the room. And thankfully, our writers are all very um, open minded and open hearted. And they sort of trust our judgment in that way. And they sort of trust that, you know, maybe what they had written on the on the 
page doesn't necessarily translate to on stage. Uh, yeah, and then the Shakespeare thing has just always been in the back of my head just since that well that's where it all yeah yeah. for you and that bar that idea totally just like I've got to I think I've got this idea for a show and I think I'm gonna have to make it so yeah it's just kind of been like stimulus for lots of conversations about translation and exploration and working with deaf actors and and how to work as an ensemble and how to work with BSL consultants and you know it's been a really kind of academic project as well but it does like for me I really want to make it a show (laughs) that will tour and people will see it and hopefully they'll like it so yeah that's kind of in the in in the works so does that largely take up a lot of your time in the DH Ensemble or do you still have space for other work outside of that world yeah so DH Ensemble is like project by project funded yeah. so we're not like a regularly organized funded theatre company so it's run by the four uh, we say four lead artists so myself and then there's Erin who I mentioned before and then there's Sophie Stone and Stephen Collins and they are both deaf so two deaf two hearing and uh, the three of them are all actors as well freelance actors as well so they've always got other different projects and all that going on so Mm. yeah when they've got all that going on I'll I'll try and film myself with other projects as well but um I've got a wee two-year-old as well so that keeps me busy you do you'd literally not long had her (gasps) yeah like when we worked together like she was yeah really yeah I think that was like the first job that I had had after having Caitlin yeah um to be fair I did feel like you we kind of nominated you as mum of the group <laughs> organizing everything like, what are we doing now Jane what are we doing now? But that's the thing like you do have you know it's about your life evolving and changing throughout you know your career you know you're saying moving to London and that not being a thing that you were too keen on but you make these choices and and then you have a child and but you're still making all this happen like over the the span of your career thus far you think of all the things that you've been through personally and all the things that have changed in your life but also how your career's developed and it's just running kind of in, you know in tandem with each other yeah and, and it just all feeds back in I guess to to what you end up doing you're like how did I get here how am I how am I working on this this week yeah. <laughs> it's so funny that you, you know we're having this conversation and it does make me reflect on what I've been doing and we're where I've come where I've come from and uh, this year was meant to be like a proper brilliant year for for DH Ensemble and for me and you know we we're meant to be in New York this week working Man. like on at a new victory you're talking to me I know well no this is glorious this is this is up there with New York I'm not I'm not New York so <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm all right but I'm not New York even yeah. though I'm that. oh man I know so there's a few you know and we had a tour booked for the end of the year and and, and lots of things like that but um it's you know just completely changed but I think you know that's the one thing that people like you and I artists and theatre makers and all of that have kind of in us is that we are able to kind of be really flexible and figure it out and we're like okay cool so that's not happening how we planned it so what are we doing now right well let's figure out where we're at and DH Ensemble is really lucky because we applied for and got some emergency funding from the Arts Council England um because right. uh, oh, three of them are still down there I, I, ha- I live here but most of my work is still down in England really although I'm trying very hard to bring it up to Scotland <laughs> um so 
yeah, we 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 make it work, right? Like um, plans change. What we're going to do now? Totally, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's not not to be underestimated either. That's a proper skill that folk that work in the arts to have you know we're so used to just kind of going okay right well that plan didn't work what are we doing okay the deadline is I mean, let's get it going to be fair every january i go well this is the year it'll not work <laughs> this is the year that people will go and decide that i'm actually rubbish <gasps> i know and then the phone rings and someone offers you a job I, or the email I, comes I, through and someone offers you a job it's annoying when a pandemic shows up then just puts all that <laughs> you know aside from the financial aspect you know you're just like i want to play with my pals can i go and do a thing let me go and make something with my my pals yeah Mm -hmm. i mean this has been a great outlet for me i mean this this started life as a hobby and it you know continues to be a hobby but Mm -hmm. actually it feels like i'm going to work yeah because I'm doing like something creative and I'm getting to chat to people that are lovely and interesting and talented. So mm-hmm. this has been a total lifeline for me to continue the podcast. Yeah, but you know, you must be getting so much from chatting to all these people as well. Like it's storytelling at its best, right? You're like, oh, that person's interesting. Oh, that person. And you can learn from all these people just as we do. I'm enjoying the structure of this podcast. I mean, it's really come in a beautiful circle. Oh, <laughs> Well, check us out. Total, total storytelling professionals here. Oh, no. Oh, the dramaturgy is love. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah. But like, is there like a, a tick sheet, some sort of like ask everybody this, that, you know, they can, um, not bucket list, that seems negative connotations. Mm. You know, I know that you did a master's. Yeah, yeah. That was always something on my list. Yeah, I'm a massive list maker proper goal like what is my goal like what's my five-year plan like all of that yeah 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 yeah. Ah. and actually that was the reason why I had my like so you said you didn't have a meltdown or haven't had a a COVID meltdown yet and I had a bit of a meltdown right at the start when everything got cancelled because I was like my five-year plan I had it sorted I was all good to go I mean I was probably like achieving things that I've you know wanted to do for a long time New York has been on my list for a long time and yeah it just all kind of got like out from under my feet so in a in a way like there's a part of me that's going all right maybe at the moment I'm not going to be a list person and right now I'm just gonna see where this like flows and takes me and I'll and and I'll I'll try and be a bit more fluid in that respect but I think I'll always be a list writer and a goal maker and uh I think you've got obviously the best of both worlds Mm -hmm. you are very much like go in the space and see what happens kind of person Mm -hmm. and and open to that but also always having a one eye on what would I like yeah yeah I'm a great believer in you say you're going to catch that bus but you run as fast as you can to get it so like I believe I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I believe I'm going to get that goal I'm absolutely going to get it but you do everything in your power to de- get that goal like with the masters I was like I've got I'm going to do a masters eventually I'm going to do a masters but that masters won't happen if I don't fill in the application do all my research you know so you've got to do, and just as you said go into the room and see what happens but mm-hmm. what we all do is become is become we come in very very uh, prepared for that day to go let's see what happens you know mm-hmm. like how many chats did we have on whatsapp during our production you know like 
didn't just happen by yourself. Although I think those young people did think we just turned up every day, rocked up with no plan. <laughs> we were like, no, we've definitely got a plan, guys. <laughs> this chaos is planned. I know. I love it. I totally love it. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I like that you, it's wearing those hats again, isn't it? It's like, okay, I have to take my list, you know, five-year plan hat off yeah. for a wee bit. I'm just putting it there for a wee yeah. second and just being open to the universe and you just never know if you open yourself up to change and uncertainty hopefully it'll the universe will be kind and give you something back yeah yeah completely completely agree in what you're saying I think you know if we had had this conversation in January it'd be very different to to right now what are we in May yeah and yeah kind of that's it right like what is what is that the light shines through the cracks and all that what's that is that yes. yeah we'll just kind of let the, the the fluidity of it and uh we'll see what happens for a wee while I mean at the same time yeah. as like you know planning of course <laughs> <laughs> can't that go. just put that there I'm not, like, <laughs> not putting that away <laughs> exactly <laughs> just, no, I think I mean it's incredible like just looking having never seen any of your work in real life which is obviously now on my list to do <laughs> next year see the thing that I'm going to see next year it's oh, going to be awesome yeah I'm coming to New York for you over there oh, I'm so <laughs> excited it was okay I'll tell you what it was going to be as well so it was Matilda in the Orange Balloon our kids show that we do in English and British Sign Language um, like all of our work and it's had like cool captions and stuff really awesome projections so that was going to be be transferred to America for an American company to make it, but they were going to have to change the BSL, the British Sign Language, into American Sign Language. So it was to work with these amazing American deaf performers as well. And just, it was going to be so awesome. But it, it's not to say that that won't happen again. Well, this is a thing. And then whenever it happens, just think how awesome it will be. Yeah, yeah, it'll be great. It'll be tom- completely wonderful. Well, <laughs> Jennifer Bates, I have got some questions for you, very specific questions. Oh, this, I'm excited. <laughs> so these are called the thingamabobs, and these are just to get to know you a wee bit better. Uh-huh. I like these yeah. questions. Seems as I knew hee-haw about you, clearly, <laughs> when I actually worked with you for a whole week. No time to uh-huh. ask any questions. None. I'm, I'm loving having a podcast and getting to ask all the questions. But yeah, these are called the thingamabobs. They're very specific questions. I have 75 of them, but I'm not asking you 75 questions. Okay. If you could read the costume department of any film, which would it be? Oh, that's such a good question. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Do you know, do you know what first thing it came to my head was? <laughs> it's like The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Just to be in that Judy Garland thing and then also try on like the Scarecrow and the Tin Man and the Lion, the Wicked Witch, the Monkey. I mean, Glinda with the big poofy thing and the staff. <laughs> the staff. Is that brilliant? I mean, they got any red shoes. Oh, yeah, well, that's it. <laughs> Can you finish this sentence? When I was wee, I... Oh, when I was wee, I... This is going to be one of those ones that I think of in bed tonight and go, oh, I wish I'd said that. And I'm just going to say, um, I was a, a chicken heart. Remember my mum used to call me a wee chicken heart because I was quite, and I don't even think it makes sense, but it, it meant like sensitive. Like I used to be 
really empath- I mean I'm still I'm really empathetic but like properly like I would really take on people's like burdens and sadness and stuff and just kind of wanted to make things all better and then my mum used to say oh I'm a wee chicken heart so I was wee chicken heart that's a children's show right there written now proper pulled out of nowhere Lisa where did that come from I'll get the application written today will you choreograph it for me of course (laughs) (laughs) Uh, here's a really difficult one best ever song lyric Uh, I am going to go with love every day and every night it's Bob Marley and it's um, this is love, this is love that I'm feeling. And uh, that was the first song at a wedding, and we've got like the lyrics up, and it's just like really ah. nice to always remember, like love every day and every night. Okay, cool, got it. That's that. I'll stick with that. Oh gosh, I'm so sensitive in this podcast. Here a be chicken hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, oh, okay, here's one: morning person or night owl. Uh, used to be night owl. Now I'm a morning person. That's because you've got a wee. Bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's amazing what happens when oh, you can't have a lion anymore. <laughs> Sometimes I get to like noon lunchtime, and I'm like, "Wow, gosh, it's only lunchtime already." I mean, I totally did. It's like five o'clock at night. I'm like, I, like that's where lunchtime drinking came, I think, because just thought we're like, I, I've done my day's work. And lastly, I ask everybody this one. Mm-hmm. What is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? Well, I have listened to the podcast, so I knew this question was coming. <laughs> I love somebody that's done their homework. So, so part of me, I'm really, I really enjoy the word dreich when I'm in a room where, with English people, right? And and it's and it's dreich outside, and you can say, oh, it's dreich, and then you have to explain it, and then it's really exciting. <laughs> but then I also really enjoy the word ball bag. So it comes up a lot. It does, and then and then they both, you know, break the ice, big conversations for different reasons. I like them both for different reasons, and and I thought, why be original? And are there any signs for specific Scottish words? I mean, I'm only starting. I'm level one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is the thing. I learned in Glasgow. Um, I went down to London. No signs mm-hmm. because BSL was totally regional and everyone has their accents and all that. But there's definitely, yeah, because it's it, it's the slang words, the slang signs, depending on your age group, depending on where you went to school, depending on your religion, depending on all. So, yes. Uh, so a, an array of incredible signs out there that will convey emotions and feelings and intentions that you didn't even know you had because there's no English word for them. And then you'd be like, oh, I've got, I don't know what the English word is. And then you'll just like feel the sign. You'll be like, oh, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. No, it's really good. And that's what's exciting about what you do. It's just like getting to play with words and language and movement. I love it. Well, it totally oozes out here, like. <laughs> like working with you that week like you were just a total ball of energy and positivity that's why I was like I need to I need to know more actually I need to have that conversation because like I had plus I just like wanted to see you I know no but it it, like it was such a lovely week it was mental uh, but just overarching theme was Jen is just a lovely person who loves what she does and it's all about the people then obviously going online and then realizing all the wonderful things that you're doing 
I was like, we need to have this conversation. <laughs> so your positivity and your passion just comes right through. It has been such a joy chatting to you, Lisa. Proper. Um, and there's that old phrase that if you spot it, you got it. So see all those things that you just said to me, like imagine that's just a wee mirror right back at you, like properly. Uh-huh. All of it. You're just glorious and brilliant and, you know, the energy that you bring into a room is just... And you're only ever as good as the team around you, right? Like, And that's the joy of, you know, getting to work with lots of different people. You you just constantly add to that toolkit that we were talking about. Every day's a school day. Every day's a school day. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks and, um, so much for asking me to do it. I'm so honoured. It feels completely lovely. Thank you so much. I'm glad. really glad you asked me. I'm really glad that I, I said yes. <laughs> Thanks very much, pal. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Bra and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.